Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our studio Dr. Carol Page. Dr. Page is the Program Director of the South Carolina Assistive Technology Program at the University of South Carolina School of Medicine. She received her PhD in Speech Language Pathology from the University of South Carolina, and she also has an Assistive Technology Professional Certificate from the Rehabilitation Engineering and Assistive Technology Society of North America and also a Brain Injury Specialist Certification from the Brain Injury Association of America. In addition, she is an adjunct faculty member for the University of South Carolina Communication Sciences and Disorders Department. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. It's great to have you here. So what led you initially into working in the assistive technology field? Yeah, um, honestly, it was this, you know, being a speech language pathology student, and then, uh, which we work on many different things, Mm -hmm. um, but I had the one course that was augmentative and alternative communication where people use devices. Mm -hmm. Um, People who are nonverbal use devices to communicate, and I took that class and I was hooked. Mm. And then from there, it just kept expanding. was able to work at a facility, uh, an institutional facility with people with intellectual disabilities and was working with the individuals who were nonverbal there Mm. and learned an awful lot um, working with them and then um, came into this position at USC and initially I was working with uh, the Carolina Autism Resource and Evaluation Center, mm-hmm. uh, working with kids with autism mm-hmm. uh, who were nonverbal. So mm-hmm. um, just, you know, a pretty varied background. Um, but I do enjoy working with people of all ages and mm-hmm. all disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do so much more than just working with people who are nonverbal. Sure. And when you when you said, you know, nonverbal communication, I, I tend to think of all the innovations that I've seen come across um, in the in the field of like using iPads, you know, for maybe students who have autism. And it's some I remember seeing something somewhere where it's like, iPads are just wonderful for for that kind of communication. Yes, and I work with people with much more significant uh, physical disabilities than that as well, Mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, I worked with a gentleman the other day with quadriplegia and had him up and running using an entire computer using his eyes only. Oh, wow. So it's it's like even way beyond iPads anymore. Mm -hmm. And you think, well, you think of you know someone like Stephen Hawking and and you you know that there was that technology and it's been around for a long time how have you kind of seen it evolve has it been very rapid in the recent months or years it it has been rapid um i think so and the biggest change is going from yes, this one person uses it somewhere and it seems very obscure to Mm -hmm. being pretty mainstream in that the eye gaze technology has entered the gaming field and has been in the gaming field for, uh, well, kids and adults who like the online games. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and prefer to use their eyes to do that. So Mm -hmm. that's been pretty interesting. And so that has made it even more mainstream and has increased its popularity as well. Mm. It's not a good fit for everybody. Sure, I imagine that it would all boil down to the individual and and what their needs are. Absolutely. Um, You mentioned gaming. How, How did maybe that originally happened? Was it kind of an accident that, um, you know, gaming and assistive technology, you know, technologies blended at some point? Or That's a really good question. Um, I think, um, you know, technology has um, definitely come into people's homes over time, and it was just going to be a matter of time for it to um, really blossom into the main mainstream mm-hmm. arena. So it was just bound to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just happened in the gaming field. Um, but it's happening an awful lot, like um, seniors aging in place, mm-hmm. um, people with vision impairments, hearing impairments, where you know um, we're not even used to thinking about eyeglasses mm-hmm. as being assistive technology. And that was one of the very first pieces of assistive technology. Mm-hmm. So um, things become so mainstream, we don't even think of them as assistive technology anymore. Well, exactly. I mean, you think of what a smartphone can do. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people tend not to realize that now, I, I'm pretty sure Apple, you know, includes all different kinds of assistive technologies just on an iPhone. Yes, yes. They have a lot of accessibility features built in. But honestly, Microsoft has been doing that since um, 1995. Um they've had accessibility features built into Microsoft computers. Mm. So it's been around for quite a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It and just keeps getting smaller. <laughs> right, yeah, that's, that's the amazing thing. That it's, like, it's right in your pocket. Um, so anyway, tell us about the assistive technology program and uh, the USC School of Medicine Center for Disability Resources. What are those all about and what do you do there? Right. And so University of South Carolina School of Medicine has a department called the Center for Disability Resources. The Center for Disability Resources has about 15 programs mm. um, that are part of that. And mm. we are one of those programs to kind of break down mm-hmm. how we feel into everything. Mm -hmm. We are a federally funded um, program. Uh, USC School of Medicine manages our grant for that and um, we are required, there's one of these in every state and in all the territories so no matter where you move you'll be able Mm -hmm. to find Mm -hmm. one of our programs. We're all required to do the same activities but how we do them from one state to another definitely fluctuates. Mm -hmm. So some of those activities are that we have a demonstration center and uh, the South Carolina demonstration center is located here in Columbia. Mm-hmm. We're happy to um, have people uh, come in. Um, we have assistive technology teams come in. We have individuals come in. We also have, which we love, uh, college students 
come mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. to experience it, like future special education teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have speech pathology and speech, audiology yes, folks? Yes, absolutely. Come. So they all visit. They get hands-on experiences that we tailor specifically for the team. Uh, we want people to definitely experience our assistive technology resource center and know that it's there for them mm-hmm. when they do become professionals in their fields mm-hmm. and to know that that's available. All our services are free and um, at the end of demonstrations or even the labs, you are welcome to borrow equipment and we loan out our equipment from, depending on what it is, um, for two to four weeks. Mm. So people can take it home and use it in their environments. Um, You know, if it's a student, we want them to do homework Mm -hmm. with the piece of equipment. Um, We want them to you know, fully experience it doing what they would be doing in their natural routine. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's for an, uh, uh, an adult, we want them to use the equipment at their job or in their home mm-hmm. and make sure it's a good fit before they seek funding for it or before um, they have to pay out of pocket for mm-hmm. it. So it's basically using it kind of just to see if it works for them and then after a certain amount of time they would just return it to you that's correct so after two to four weeks you return it to us sometimes people say not a good fit we need to look at something else Mm -hmm. or um and then we also provide the information so that they can um find the vendor mm-hmm. and um, know how to purchase that for themselves or seek funding for it themselves. Mm-hmm. What, ki- what kinds of expenses are we talking of? Are there, are, I'm sure depending on the, the piece of equipment, can it get really, really expensive for an individual? Yes, um, probably our most expensive device is our um, eye gaze communication devices. Mm-hmm that with the mounting system they run about twenty thousand dollars wow yeah that is expensive (laughs) yeah so um but uh, so much of things are you know like gizmos and gadgets to kind of just everyday tasks we do and trying Mm -hmm. to make them easier Mm -hmm. or if you've lost skill in that area to mm-hmm. uh, regain the ability to do something, uh, those things can run just several dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, we even mm-hmm. come up with free solutions sometimes too. Okay. So uh, just modifying. And then the other thing we do is point out to people how they have um, accessibility things already built into the technology they have that mm-hmm. they didn't know existed. Right, like the iPhone, like we were talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. So um, some of it's just education, mm-hmm. which um, we're happy to do. Speaking of education, do you have any kind of scheduled programs or training events that you offer to the public? Or? Yes, we um, keep our training list uh, up to speed and uh, as robust as possible. Uh, We have a lot of trainings every fall and uh, spring. Mm -hmm. We already have a few trainings in the summer. Those are on our website Mm -hmm. um, so that you would be able to uh, go to services and then one of the services we provide is trainings Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of our trainings are free. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to make sure people have access to them um, and they are offered here in Columbia, mm-hmm. which is centrally mm-hmm. located in the state. Yeah. Um, 
And what are the charges for those trainings? Are Usually they? they're free okay. if it's a vendor. Um, even the vendors have been very gracious and um, not charging. Sometimes the vendors, uh, we had one earlier this year that was $75 a person, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that's like a yearly thing Mm -hmm. Um, but by and large most of our trainings are free we have one coming up this fall that's ten dollars it's a make and take Um, so for ten dollars you get to leave with everything that you make and you are going to uh, see that you end up going home with far more than Uh ten (laughs) dollars worth so um, it's a really good opportunity to for people to realize how things work and mm-hmm. how easy it is to adapt things and make things functional for sure people who are struggling. I um when when we were talking about the that really expensive uh, piece of equipment and like you said you know there are a lot of things that are low cost. I think a lot of people don't tend to think of there are different kinds of even a certain kind of magnifying glass that may have a LED light attached to it that can be used a certain way that may be relatively inexpensive. Absolutely. So people have been using magnifiers for years Mm -hmm. and then they added lights to magnifiers and that's really great. And now uh, the latest is that there are video magnifiers Mm -hmm. where uh, they're like little TV screens that um, are literally taking a picture of the actual object and um, you can save uh, an image of that mm-hmm. if you want to and um, you can also change the contrast on the screen mm-hmm. uh, depending on the vision disability you might want yellow letters on a black background or white letters on a black background so mm-hmm. those have all those features built into it and it also lets you zoom in and out mm-hmm. so far more features than your standard handheld magnifier sure and can you talk you mentioned about the the different color backgrounds can you talk a little bit about how that um, translate to someone who may have a visual impairment what are the different kinds of combinations or or what would make someone with a visual impairment maybe be able to see a little bit better relating to those different combinations? Yeah, that's all pretty individualized. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the individual will say, this works best for me. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times it's nothing we can predict exactly ahead of time Mm -hmm. other than, you know, big, bold type. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And then if it's not big, bold type, how do we magnify it so Mm -hmm. that it Mm -hmm. does appear larger? Right. there's even a new piece of equipment that we'll be trialing soon. Uh, it's on our way. It's on the way to us. Um, that's going to help people with macular degeneration. Mm. So it's a pair of goggles that people would wear. Mm-hmm. And because vision is missing in the central part mm-hmm. of um, their vision, it would actually pull in the image from off-center so wow. that you would be able to see it. And um, I'm probably not explaining that uh no, very I well, but um, <laughs> yeah. So they they are figuring out um, how to, you know, really improve the vision of people who in the past have just lost their sight and have not been able to accommodate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so those things are really be being overcome nicely. Yeah, yeah. It's really amazing um, when you think about all of the innovations that you know are being made on on a regular basis what's the at the national level what kind of uh, organizations are doing that kind of research um honestly it's um 
you know, it's vendors, uh, you know, trying to build a better mousetrap a lot of times. Uh Um, There is research out there, um, but um, um, it's just people seeing a need and Mm -hmm. trying to find a solution to Mm -hmm. the need. Mm -hmm. Are there a lot of vendors out there for... There are not. Um, There are not. There's a handful. Mm -hmm. Um, Every um, January, we go to a conference in Orlando, uh, which is a great place to go if you want to see a lot of vendors all in one setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's an assistive technology conference um, that's, you know, we have, there's people there internationally, mm-hmm. you know, from companies in Europe and beyond. Wow. And so um, it's a great way to see mm-hmm. a lot of things all at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, since you're talking about that kind of um, um, vendor-driven experience. Can you talk a little bit about, here in South Carolina, we have, it's I think it's called the Assistive Technology Expo? Yes, we put that on every year. Okay. That, that's the uh, South Carolina Assistive Technology Program puts that on every year. Um, this past year, uh, well, for several years now, we've held it here in Columbia. Mm-hmm. And um, Again, located centrally in the state, we have people from Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina mm-hmm. attend. Uh, we had almost 900 people this past wow. year. Our classes usually draw a, um, upwards to 200 people per class. Uh, we have 12 classes throughout the day mm-hmm. that are well attended. And we had over 70 exhibitors, um, both agencies and vendors, in mm-hmm. our exhibit hall, wow. uh, where you would be able to talk to different agencies who serve people with disabilities and then also work with the vendors who have products for people with disabilities and do hands-on mm-hmm. experience with that equipment. Okay, and you mentioned there's classes. What are the, what's the content of those classes? Yeah, um, it changes every year, um, but we offer uh, augmentative and alternative communication classes, and that's for people who are either family members of or work with people who are nonverbal. We have, uh, we're looking at next year bringing in somebody to talk about home accessibility and Mm -hmm. aging in place Mm -hmm. um, without having to go to a nursing home or um, an assisted living, but actually being able to modify your home Mm -hmm. so that you can stay there longer. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, we have classes on Um, vision products, hearing products, um, how to access your computer. Also, uh, we also have a strand for education Mm -hmm. showing uh, what's available for uh, students who have learning disabilities, sensory disabilities, or physical disabilities. Mm -hmm. How have, when you talk, when you mentioned home, that made me pop into my brain Alexa because you know you always hear about Alexa and then you've got on I know on my phone I use Hey Siri and um, I probably shouldn't have said that too loudly my (laughs) phone might pick up on it but how has this voice activation technology affected what you do? Yeah it helps everyone Um, this is the kind of technology um, my husband and I use it at home even to turn a lamp on we Mm -hmm. use our voice to turn a lamp on Um, there's 
more than just one vendor anymore. You know, Google has definitely um, come into mm -hmm. using voice assistants and uh, other companies as well. So there's quite a variety. Um, they're starting to be price competitive, which is good. Mm -hmm. And uh, they allow people not only to have access to their phones um, and their television sets and turning lights and fans on and off, but also to stay connected to the world in their community and also fun things um, that a lot of people don't know about. Like for instance, um, you can enable different uh, skills. So for instance, you can have a, a news skill where you can hear your news updates, you can play Jeopardy, you can listen to uh, what happened this day in history, you know, so it's mm -hmm. an informational kind of thing too. Mm -hmm. One of the things we always demonstrate is how students can use it as a resource book. Mm. The old days students used to go to the printed encyclopedia and dictionary mm -hmm. and you can do all that with Alexa or Google Home as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, things, it, it really takes things um, out of having to touch something. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't mm -hmm. rely on print. We don't rely on having to physically interact with something mm -hmm. and to be able to do it with our voice is really empowering. It really is amazing though in such a short amount of time how all of this has advanced because you know just not very long ago we didn't have any of this voice activation kind of technology That's you know correct. i mean we did but it was probably very limited it wasn't as broad as something like alexa or siri you know that's true yes and now even toilets are voice activated so that's um, really scary and and uh <laughs> refrigerators uh -huh, and uh -huh. yes yeah, so it's really entering our homes yeah, yes it's amazing um so one of the other things that uh, when I was um, looking at your bio, um, you had uh, mentioned that there was a grant, and this is the Leadership Education in Neurodevelopmental and Related Disorders Grant, and that's known as the LEND Grant. Can you talk a little bit about that and yeah. what you do with that? Yes, the LEND Grant is a very exciting grant. Um, we're one of 40-some land grants across the United States, I believe it's um, that number. And um, it's a collaboration between MUSC, Greenville Hospital System, and USC. Mm -hmm. uh, so students come from all three locations. And um, the uh, goal is to improve access to health care and mm -hmm. services for children with disabilities and their families. Mm -hmm. And the students have to do many activities uh, so that when they graduate, they know where to find resources, they know what professionals would provide help in different areas, and um, they learn a lot. And they also have to do a research project, oh, wow. which is really good. Um, so students who participate in the LEND activity take classes throughout mm -hmm. the year okay. and the topics are uh, across a wide range of topics um, so they'll learn about dentistry for kids with disabilities mm. and psychology um, what autism is and and looks like uh, I do a course on uh, students um, with uh, who are nonverbal mm -hmm. and how to help there and so they get um, they get educated across this variety of topics mm -hmm. that affects children with disabilities. 
And so they become very well rounded mm-hmm. in how to help children. So they might not, you know, end up being the professional to help with a certain area, but mm-hmm. they know who to refer to. So are these all MD or PhD students? They are not. The okay. student I supervise is a speech language pathology student from okay. SC State. So. And um, they've just done amazing jobs and okay. um, projects. And um, there's also a family connection component in that um, they have the opportunity to meet with families and find out what barriers they face mm-hmm. and um, what resources they're looking for and uh, really hear the you know the family perspective on the child with a disability. Um, they also are required to um, meet with uh, different teams across South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So for instance, one day they might be working with a physical therapist and mm-hmm. another day with an occupational therapist wow. uh, or a psychologist. And mm-hmm. so they really see um, the actual um, interaction between the professional and the child and the family. Okay. So if uh, someone was a speech language pathology student, either bachelor's or master's, they could look into this program? or. Um, yes, yes, um, master's level okay. for sure. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Um, that's fascinating because you know when you when you see a word like neurodevelopmental, you yeah. know that has yeah. that many syllables, you're kind of thinking, what do, you know? What does all of this mean? And what what are these related disorders that that fit into to all of this area? But we're mostly speaking um, speech language pathology. Um, that's where I come in, uh-huh. uh, just because that's my background. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of these students are come from a wide variety of backgrounds. Though a lot of them are working on their PhDs, mm-hmm. and they're in the fields of psychology, okay. physical therapy, occupational therapy. Um, I just have the one student out of many students who's okay. a speech language pathologist. Wow! So it really is a broad. It, it runs the gamut. It really is, okay. and I do know the the best thing I can say is that they are very Mm well-rounded till they leave this program. And if I see that somebody has completed the LEND grant um, on their resume, I know what kind of background they have. Mm -hmm. And um, that would definitely put them above other people competing for the same position. Sure, sure. Um, One of the things that, since, of course, this is Library Voices SC, uh, one of the things I always like to talk about is how libraries relate uh, to um, to what it is you do. And we here at the State Library have the Talking Book Services Program, which, you know, we actually even have an assistive devices petting zoo that we take out. And, you know, people can, um, can try out a lot of different kinds of devices. Um, and Caitlin Hodges here at the uh, Talking Book Services Library, in fact, helped me get in touch with you. So Great, yes. <laughs> so that's appreciated. And we refer a lot of people to your services, mm-hmm. absolutely. And that's one of the things I guess I wanted to ask is how could, uh, for instance, if a public library in South Carolina was interested in learning more, could they actually come to um, you know the USC School of Medicine Center for Disability Resources and get some kind of training or 
uh, would you work with them individually? How, how yes. would that take place? Yes, and in fact, uh, we've done that several times in the past where libraries have gotten in touch with us. And one library uh, specifically got a grant for assistive technology. And um, we, were, we worked with them to identify what equipment they wanted to buy that they were actually loaning out to mm. um, their patrons. Ah. And so, and they were, you know, things that magnified, mm-hmm. um, which read out loud, things like that, mm-hmm. um, that would help um, both while they were visiting and they were able to take it home with them and try it out to see if they wanted to get something like that for themselves. Okay. So that was a really great project that we worked on and we're happy to do that with libraries. It's uh, It can be hard to kind of navigate the equipment uh, to decide what features uh, in the equipment would match the needs of your mm-hmm. patrons the mm-hmm. best. And mm-hmm. so we're happy to help with that. And I guess that's the hard part for libraries since they're serving their entire community. They would have to have kind of a broad range of assistive devices to be able to offer. Absolutely. What are the main kinds of devices you might or, or the public might most readily come across in a library? Would it be a CCTV? Yeah, a CCTV, but then also um, we would recommend having screen readers for people who are blind that would be able to use, come in and use the computer and they wouldn't even need Mm -hmm. to turn the monitor on. Mm -hmm. Um, It would just read everything on the screen. Um, Also, adapted keyboards and mice. Not everybody can use a standard keyboard and mouse. Mm -hmm. Um, That might be beneficial. also just software that would read text out loud not Mm -hmm. everything on the screen but just the books out loud as as your Mm -hmm. um, program does and then also um, you're right either the handheld magnifiers where somebody wants to come in and just read uh, an article in a magazine Mm -hmm. and don't really need the big cctv or the cctv uh, with a large monitor so that they would be able to read an entire book with it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It really is amazing when you, you know, because I've been in some libraries here in South Carolina and, you know, some have like a whole workstation that is set up for um, with assistive devices. And, you know, even thinking to the point of if someone came into a library in a wheelchair or, a, you know, a motorized wheelchair, that there are uh, computer workstation desks that can be raised and lowered you know, either manually or mechanically. And, Absolutely. You know, you have a tracker ball instead of a mouse yep. if someone has a mobility mm-hmm. issue. So there's all kinds of things that, that are available. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, libraries being able to educate their communities and, and talking to the public and letting them know what they have available. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes that's the hardest part is getting the word out. Exactly. Because you know, we don't have huge PR budgets in libraries. <laughs> <laughs> um So anything else you'd like to share about uh, what you do with assistive technology here in South Carolina? Um, We also refer people to the Center for Disability Resources Library as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Steve Wilson is the head librarian there. Um, If you're wanting to find out more about um, the disability um, that somebody has, that's a great place to go Mm -hmm. and just find out lots more information. He's very helpful about um, finding resources for families uh, with uh, loved ones with disabilities. Mm -hmm. 
It's amazing all the resources that are out there. And um, I know everyone who is looking for more information on all these kind of resources greatly appreciates what, you know, folks like Steve do and, and, yes. and what you do. So um, uh, just lots of great information. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And thank you so much to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. Until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.